Hi, I'm Jeff Watts, and I wanted to welcome you to the Renaissance Podcast. We are so excited that you have chosen to listen and join with us as we strive to reach the heart of our city with the truth and love of Jesus. And we know that God is doing amazing things in our community, and I am blown away at how many people have told me that Renaissance has provided a place for them to rediscover Jesus. It's given them a caring church family to be a part of, and has helped to transform their lives. If you're one of the men and women who have been encouraged, helped, and strengthened because of what's happening here at Renaissance, then I'd like to ask you to become an investor in what God is doing in our city. And here's one way that you can do that. Go to rendicatororg backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them. Enjoy the podcast and thank you so much for being a part of this community. Well, welcome to Renaissance, everyone. It's so great to see all of you. If uh, we haven't met before, my name is Jeff, and I'm one of the leaders here. It's so great to be sitting here talking to you all. I don't know if many of you noticed on your way in because it's dark, but I, I made mention of this in the first two services as well. But our overflow room, the, the window to the overflow area out onto the sidewalk has been boarded over. Did anyone happen to catch that or notice that? Way to go, Brian. Good job. Gold star. Thank you. Well, because you're so dang tall, you just walked right by it. So anyways, it's not, I just want to tell you, it's not like because that window has been broken that we had to board it up. Um, that board is there because we've actually started the construction phase of phase one of our big construction. Yay! If, if you're visiting, you're like, whatever, what are you talking about? I just want you to know, this has been a work in progress or process or however you say that. This has been a, a long project that we, we've been working towards. Um, and in fact, let me, let me just share with you just by way of introduction um, how ecstatic I am for this day to be here. Um, the year leading up to Easter of 2015, Renaissance, the church, is about three or four years old. I like to think we were ready to start preschool. And so we were just kind of toddling around. We were having church services on Sunday nights. We were doing a little things with small groups, but the church was continuing to grow. And our average weekly attendance the year leading up to Easter of 2015 was just at 200 people. We had 219 people or so coming every week. Some week uh, we have a little more, some week we have a little less. But that Easter in 2015, we decided to do something just a little different. We decided rather than have our Easter services here, we moved them to the Decatur Civic Center. Who, who remembers us having Easter at the Civic Center? How great was that, right? And so we rented the theater there, which had 500 seats. We're a church of 200 people, so we have lofty goals here, I'm just saying. But we wanted to create a place and, and have an opportunity for people to invite their friends and family to our Easter service. So we, we, we got a bigger room. We got a room with, with all kinds of space so that people could come and experience Easter with us. Um, that Sunday, we had one service, and we had over 520 people come to Easter service at Renaissance at the Civic Center. We were freaking out. I'll be very honest with you. We thought maybe 300 would show up. We were dragging every chair from the lobby into the theater until the manager of the theater says, wait a minute, you guys are over capacity. You can't do this anymore. And with determination in our eyes, we told him to step aside kindly. <laughs> and we kept making more room for more people until he finally just said, screw it. You guys can do what you want to do. <laughs> it was a tremendous event for us. I I've never been more excited in all of my life. I remember at the end of that service doing something that I hardly ever do. I asked, I asked the visitors in the room if any of them would like to become a Christian. 
I asked them if they would like to receive Christ for the first time today. We don't typically do that here. I don't know what came over me that day either, but I want you to know people came down to receive Christ. People got saved that day. Easter Sunday is a huge day for me because I was saved on an Easter Sunday. It is a huge thing. So anyways, we have this wonderful like cloud nine moment um, on Easter at the Civic Center. And then the very next week, we're back here. So you ever go on vacation and rent the big like timeshare with where every, every bedroom has its own bathroom. It has a great big kitchen for lots of people to eat in. You invite friends to vacation with you. You ever do big vacations like that? The house is just off the beach. It's a wonderful place. And then you get off vacation and you come back home to your one bedroom efficiency apartment and you like have some sort of sorrow about that. That's what I was feeling. So we're at the Civic Center on Easter. It's this huge event and we come back here and we're like, wah, wah. <laughs> But I remember sharing with the people that were here the following week because some of the people that were there on Easter Sunday came with us back here. Quickly, our attendance grew from 220 a week to about 300 or so a week. We added a third service, another morning service, and our attendance continued to grow and to grow and to grow. Um, currently, right now, we're running uh, 650 to 700 people or so most every week. Now, here's what I wanted to share with you. That day, God spoke to me, and I don't say that in some weird way, right? And, and I hope that's okay. You're in a church. You would expect the people talking at least to hear from God, yes? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the answer is yes to that. And I suspect many of you hear from God as well. I, I want you to know what God really spoke to me that day. He said, Jeff, this, this picture of the church with 500 seats, and I mean, I was ecstatic. You ever look out into a room and it's completely full? It's, it's just wonderful. God, God told me that this is what Renaissance looks like, but you're just not there yet. Like I was real encouraged, like this is what the church is going to look like, but we're just not there yet. And it was, it was very helpful to me. And I, I remember just, just thinking to myself, Lord, space then is not the issue. Because for as long as Renaissance has been a church, whenever we have room, God comes along and fills it up. Now, backstory, when we had the Bible study in our house eight some years ago, we had 20 or 30 seats. God filled it with 20 or 30 people every week. And then we started risking it and renting a, a, a building downtown and God would bring all the people to the building on Sunday nights. And we added a second service and God would bring more people and we added a third service and God would bring more people. We went back to the Civic Center the next Easter in 2016, had two services. We had over 800 people come to those services. We were a church of 300 people at the time. God is showing us that if, if there's space made for him, he will bring the people he will bring to people, all he's asked us is to be faithful to the word, to exalt his son Jesus, and to make it always about him, and God will bring the people in. Now that's very helpful to us as leaders because half the time, we don't know what the, we're doing, right? <laughs> we're just trying to be faithful to him. So when you walk by the overflow room back here and you'll see this temporary wall that's been built that shrunk our overflow from 40 seats to now 25 seats, You'll rejoice with me because just on the other side of that wall, the contractors are digging a hole in the floor and they're putting an elevator shaft in. And soon we'll have an elevator that will take us to the third floor where we'll have 500 seats in an auditorium. In about six months, hopefully at Easter of next year, we'll be able to open the new space to everyone. So I don't know about you, but I've been just overwhelmed with gratitude and thankfulness for what God has done. My wife this past week interrupted my study time. It's one of the joys of working with your spouse. 
she's here, laugh, <laughs> right? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> she comes barging into my office and says, can I share something with you that I was reminded of during my um, Bible study time this morning? And I said, sure. And she says these words to me. She's like, Jeff, ministry's a gift. And I'm like, what? She's like, it's a gift. Like, what we do is a gift from God. See, the Bible tells us that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, personally calls some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, etc., and places those people into ministry. I believe that we have been called to do this church, no question. And then God blesses those people with the ministry to do the work. Now, when she says that this thing, Renaissance, is a gift, it, it, it stopped my heart for a moment because there are times I think that this ministry is more of a burden sometimes. That it's one of those things in my life that causes me to lose sleep. And I sleep very well, just so you know. But there are many days, as we think about the, the, the scope and the scale of the project that we're doing upstairs, that really freaks me out a little bit. And she says this ministry is a gift. And if it's a gift, it's given to us by God, then, then we don't have to actually work for it to keep it. It's been given to us. And so, all, again, all we're trying to do is just remain faithful to it. So even though that sometimes the, the, this is a burden to me, it shouldn't be overwhelming or too burdensome because it is a gift from God and he'll, he'll watch over it. Even though the, the people are sometimes troublesome, this ministry isn't a trouble for me. You know what I'm saying? So when I see that board in the window, I rejoice. For over four years, we've been laboring through prayer, um, through planning, a little over a year ago, we asked you guys for the first time ever in the history of our church, we asked you guys to give us money. We've never done that before. For six, seven years prior, we have met every bill with just putting giving boxes in the hallway, in the entryway, in the gallery. We considered putting them in the bathrooms. Just while you're there, you got an extra minute. <laughs> you know, wash your hands before, anyway, so. so but. We've never asked for money, and all of the bills have been paid, every one of them. But this, this, this time, a year or so ago, we asked you guys to partner with us in, in faith to believe that God was going to make more room for more people so that they could come and hear the truth and love of Jesus. Yes? And you guys said yes. We, we got over $500,000 in pledges. We've raised over 260, 70, 80,000 of that currently to date. Last, a couple months ago, we asked you guys to go to the bank to get a, a loan to support the rest of the money. You guys unanimously said yes, which is odd in a church, I'm just saying, <laughs> right? And we're moving forward. That board seems like nothing. You're like, look at that poor church on the corner. Can't they afford to fix their window? <laughs> Yes, we can afford to fix it. <laughs> the reason the board's in there is because that's where all of the debris and supplies are going to come in for that elevator shaft. This is, I'm blown away at what God has done for us, and he's been so faithful to us. I, I want to take a moment now and, and read a story from Exodus chapter 3. If you have a Bible with you, Exodus chapter 3. If you're new to the whole Bible game or whatever, uh, Exodus is the second book in the Bible. So if you find that hardback black Bible underneath the seat close to you, uh, the first book is Genesis. Just flip through that and you'll find Exodus chapter 3. And this is a story of a man named Moses. He's kind of a popular character. So even if you have no experience with church, you'll at least have heard of Moses. But in this story, before we read it, I want to challenge you with something. 
I think that God is, um, as, as we pray and are thankful for everything that God has done so far, for us so far, I think what, what God would ask of us today is, is whether we're committed to, to continue. <laughs> and you're like, too late, we've already started, right, <laughs> at this point. But I really think God wants to ask us, is this what you guys want? Because we're about to do this together. So let's pray together. Um, well, let me read the story. Can I, can I do that first? So let's read this. Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. You can follow along on the screen here as well. It says, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And so he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame, a fire, out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not being consumed. And Moses said, well, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to see, God called to him, God spoke to him out of the bush. And he said, Moses, Moses, Moses replies, here I am. And then God said, don't come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. Verse 6, and he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord, verse 7, said that I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, the Egyptians. And I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Verse 10, so come, Moses, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But, 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 but Moses, <laughs> right? Moses said to God, well, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God responded, he said, I will, go, I will be with you. And this will be the sign for you. This moment right here, pause right here. This moment where the bush is burning yet not being consumed. This miraculous thing that's taking place that, that's interrupted your Tuesday. You know, when God interrupts our Tuesday, there are always these miraculous things. And, and he says, and this will be a reminder and a sign for you that I have sent you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And God is so gracious to him when he rescues them out of Egypt, they make a pit stop at the 7-Eleven at the bottom of this mountain. This is a cool thing. So um, I want to pray for us that we would hear what God would challenge us with tonight. Because you want to be challenged by God, right? Oh, yes. Amen. Amen. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for everything that you do. We uh, rejoice in the singing this, this uh, evening. Um, I'm just reminded that you are, in fact, sovereign over all Oh, what a wonderful thing to say. What a wonderful thing to sing and to declare into the universe. That you are working to your benefit all things for your good. That you are orchestrating the events uh, in front of us. That you are going alongside of us and with us as we uh, endeavor into this project of making more room for more people. God, you're with us in our individual lives 
helping us to restore relationships and make us to be the, the, the best employee or the best friend or the best spouse or the best person that you've called us to be, that you're transforming us to be salt and light in the earth. God, you are doing these things and we thank you for them. We are so blessed to be yours. God, I pray that you would be with us tonight through the power of your Holy Spirit and that we would see and hear what you want us to see and hear and that we would be challenged by those things. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The thing that's so striking about the story of Moses is I'm reminded that, that Moses is very much like you and me. That oftentimes you and I have had encounters with God that have marked us and changed us and, and made us into different people. Uh, back story here, Moses was born in Egypt, and he was born under uh, the rulership of a wicked king in Egypt. His name was Pharaoh, it doesn't matter, but there was a decree that went out that said that the, the Hebrew people, the women, when they gave birth to children, if any of those babies were boys, the king decreed that those boys must be put to death. This king was afraid that the, the, the Hebrew people would rise up to be too large of a people group and at some point overthrow the Egyptians. And to curtail that, he says, let's kill all the baby boys when they're born. And Moses was born in that oppression. When he was born, the midwife preparing to take the, the life of Moses was stopped short as she began to feel the fear of God come upon her and she saved Moses' life. They, with her, his mother, they took him and put, them in, put Moses in this little bitty boat. We'll call it an ark, wink, wink. We'll call it an ark, <laughs> right? And they placed him inside the ark, placed him in the waters, and pushed him down the river. And God saved him in this ark. It sounds like a story we've heard before. Pharaoh's own daughter finds the baby Moses in the boat and pulls him out and raises him as her own. So already we see God at work in Moses' life and he doesn't even understand it yet. Just like you and I, before we ever have our first encounter with God that we, that we remember, the first time we, we see God actually tangibly say something to us or speak to us, know this, he's already been working in your life. He's already been setting things up so that you'll hit this point and run into him and, and happen across him. Moses' life was spared that day through the sovereign hand of God as he rescued him, had him raised in the court of the Egyptians. He became a prince of Egypt. Watch that cartoon for homework. <laughs> and he was raised in Pharaoh's own court. One day, Moses is walking through the land and he sees an Egyptian taskmaster being hurting another Hebrew. And Moses intervenes and kills the Egyptian and buries him in the sand. And then remorse hits him and sorrow and fear. He says, oh my gosh, if Pharaoh finds out I've done this, um, I'm dead too. And Moses flees and he runs away. He goes to a place called Midian and he finds himself a wife and a father-in-law named Jethro. And that's the story that we entered into. So picture this, God has already orchestrated his salvation one time before, and yet Moses has done these horrible things against God. Did you know every time you sin, even though it might be against other people, it is first and foremost against God? And when he murdered that uh, Egyptian, he was sinning against God, because God is the one that says you shall not murder. And so he's hiding, not just from Pharaoh, but God himself, if you can picture that. If you'll just let me stretch into that for a moment. And that's maybe the story of you and I. 
And yet God sets him up for this moment, this burning bush experience where he speaks to him in a way that he would understand, and it changes him. And he calls to him. He says, Moses, Moses, come here. Now take off your shoes, because where you're stepping is a, is a different place than you've been before. Where I go and where I am is much different than what you're used to. Do you want to come closer? <laughs> the invitation is, or not. Take your shoes off, or not. What does Moses do? He does what I did. I took my freaking shoes off, and I walked closer to where God was. And God begins to speak to him. He says these words in verse 6. I am the God of your father. I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. If you know the story of Abraham, Abraham's a man, one of Moses' descendants, you know, one of them great, 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 great something grandfathers. Abraham lived in another land far away from where they are now. And, and history tells us, or tradition tells us, that Abraham's father was an idol maker. He made these little bitty totems for the people in his land to worship. Now, we don't worship false gods. We don't worship totems. We don't worship graven images. We worship the one true God. But, but, but uh, Moses' great-great-great-grandfather, Abraham, was an idol maker for those false gods. And Abraham, his life was interrupted by God. And he says, I want you to leave all of this behind. I want you to leave all this false worship. I want you to leave all of this crazy labor that doesn't produce anything in your life. And I want you to follow me into the, this place that I promise you. And so God is reminding Moses, I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the one who calls people from broken things, from things that don't produce any helpful results in your life. And I will lead you into something that is helpful. I'm the God of Abraham, he says. And he says, I'm also the God of Isaac. And if you know the story of Isaac, Isaac had a crazy Saturday when he was about 16 years old, when his dad made him carry wood up a mountain and then bound him on an altar and was prepared to sacrifice him to God. Isaac is losing his ever-loving mind at this point, <laughs> right? And he tells, he tells Moses, I'm the God of of Isaac, because if you know the story of Isaac and the sacrifice, just before Abraham was to plunge the knife into Isaac, his own son, God interrupts it. And says, no, no, don't sacrifice the boy. I'll give you another sacrifice. And there's this ram stuck in the bushes over here. And they sacrifice the ram instead. Here's what we know about the God of Isaac, that God can come and save someone even when they're helpless to save themselves. Isaac cannot save himself. He is bound to the altar. There's nothing he can do. The knife is coming down and God changes everything. He says, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. And he says, I'm also the God of Jacob. If you know the story of Jacob, Jacob, the patriarch, having 12 sons who famously did not get along with one another, <laughs> or at least with one of their sons, Joseph. They sell Joseph into slavery and tell their father that he'd been murdered by a wild beast. In despondent and despair, Jacob was convinced he would never see his son again. Famine comes to the land. You can all just, he, you can just imagine he just all but wants to crawl up into a ball and die. And out of nowhere, God brings his son, his beloved son, Jacob, back. I'm sorry, Joseph, back to him and saves them from the famine and moves them down into Egypt and all of this stuff. He's telling Moses, I am the God of Jacob the one who can turn things around so much that you, what you thought was lost can now be found again. 
Moses is having an encounter with God, the living God, and he says these words, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I love that. He does not say, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It, it almost infers something. What is it inferring for us? It says that I am not the God of the dead, but I'm the God of the living. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, yes, their bones are somewhere in the desert around you, yes, but they're still alive, he says. Now, that's a strange thought, but it's a thought we believe as Christians, that when we die, our body returns to dust from which it came, but our spirits live eternally. Moses is experiencing this for the first time. Moses hides his face. I hid my face, too. Some of you hide your face when God interrupts your day. You feel condemnation. You feel shame for all of the things that you've done in your life. In fact, some of you are feeling a bit guilty for the things this weekend. I love you. And when God encounters us in that moment, it is as if our very souls are laid bare. And God who sees everything, sees everything we've ever done in our lives. I mentioned earlier that I actually became a Christian on an Easter service way back in the day, before many of you were even born. And I remembered when I was confronted by God, the living God that day, um, sorrow filled my heart. Fear filled my heart as God was calling me to himself. And the, and the closer I walked towards the front of this church to receive Christ, I was overcome and overwhelmed by the weight of who God was, how perfect he was, how righteous he was, and how imperfect I was and how unrighteous I was. And there's this moment when God presses into you, when he, prick, when he takes his righteousness and holiness and presses against you. It's like, it's, <laughs> wait for it, it's like this, uh, it's like a toothpaste tube, and he just squeezes you, and everything unholy comes out of you. And it, for, for me, it happened to leave my nose at that exact moment, and I had this, like, crying snot ball hanging out of my, all right, too much? Anyways, I encountered God in a real way. And he says, Jeff, I want to save you. I want to forgive you for everything that you've done. I want to change the trajectory of your life. This is the moment that Moses is having. This is the moment that, that we have had, too. Some, some of you have forgotten it. Some of you have forgotten that God has orchestrated your life and, and called you unto himself. And, and way back in the day, at some point, some place, you said yes to him, and you've forgotten this. You've forgotten the, the goodness of who God is, that your Christian faith at this point has just become just church attendance and, and the occasional daily devo. <laughs> Short for devotion, if you didn't know that. Church lingo alert. I promise you, God did not call Moses to a daily church devo. He called him to a radically changed life. Moses hid his face, but God spoke to him. He said to him, I've seen the affliction of my people, verse 7. I've come down, verse 8, to deliver them. I've come down to do all of this, in verse 10. And he says, now come with me, Moses. Come with me and I will send you to Pharaoh and you can bring my people out of Egypt. Know this, there's nothing that God himself cannot do 
In Genesis 1, when we hear, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, do you remember how God created everything? He did so out of his mouth. He spoke into existence everything that is. When he said to the darkness, let there be light, light came. When he spoke to the oceans and said, let the waters separate and dry ground appear. When he said, let there be animals, let there be this. All of that was done by the power of his voice. Do you think for a moment God has lost his power? Do you think God can't go rescue his people out of Egypt? No, he absolutely can. But he wants Moses to do it instead. Why? Why? I never understood this until I became a parent. I have two children. They're teenagers. They're, they're girls. They're wonderful. I have a freshman and a junior in high school. Many years ago, um, my wife did this... Um, well, she, she had, we had a Saturday at home. It was a wonderful day. The girls were still little at the time. And my wife told me, hey, Jeff, I think I'm going to make cookies today. And um, if you can't tell, I enjoy cookies a lot. I'm just saying, right? <laughs> She's going to make sugar cookies. And if you've never had my wife's sugar cookies, you've never experienced heaven on this side. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's a real thing. Um, ladies here, if you think you make a pretty good sugar cookie, you're wrong. My wife's cookies are better. I'm just saying. I have to say that. <laughs> I've been obligated. See, it's truth. Laramie can't even take it right now. She just left the room. <laughs> but my wife says she's going to make sugar cookies, and I get real excited because in about 18 minutes, because my wife can whip them up like this. She doesn't even need the recipe anymore. She just f -f -f throws this in, throws this in, and, and it's, we bake them when they're done. Um, but she says, I'm going to let Riley and Reagan, you know, our daughters, bake them today. And I went, Why? <laughs> Because they're going to make a, a, a heck of a mess in the kitchen. I'm going to tell you that right now. Um, they're probably going to screw it up. They're going to overcook them or what we like to call my house. They're going to burn them, right? They're not going to be good. Why would you let them do that? And um, anyway, she didn't listen to me. So she, she has the girls <laughs> bake the cookies. And they did exactly what I thought they would do. They messed up the recipe. They didn't ice them correctly. They made a mess. And they burned them all. And I, I questioned why my wife did that. And then I, I saw it for the first time. She got to experience a whole afternoon of relationship with my girls as they came alongside and helped mom do this. Moses has been invited by God to join him in his work. The very work that God can do himself, but would love for you to join him in it. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the question God is asking us today. Space has never been an issue for us at Renaissance. If we have room for 50, God brings 50. We have room for 500, God will bring 500. That is not the issue. The issue is whether or not we will work with him when he does it. He's gonna bring people here that many of us think don't belong. You ever get invited to a wedding and you, you look around the room and you go, why are they here? Like, who invited them, right? Like, you're trying to make the connection. Do they know the, 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 the bride or the groom? Do they, you know what I mean? Like, we're sitting there. As sure as I'm standing here, when we get upstairs and God brings the people, and ugh, he's going to bring the people, many of us will look around and go, why are they here? And, and we'll know some of them from past lives. We'll know some of them from work. We'll know some of them, right? And you'll go, they don't really want Jesus. They're just trying, who knows what? And we're gonna question why they're here. And I'm telling you, they're here because God's calling them here. 
our, our task, as I see it, is just to lead them to Jesus. It's just to show them Jesus. And this is so great. And when they become a believer, when they become a Christian, and they have these wackadoodle ideas that God might be calling them to ministry, we'll say, I agree with you, and we will support them as they go into ministry. I was sharing in one of the services this morning, I wonder if Moses, if he was on staff at Renaissance, if we would have let him lead a ministry. An ex-murderer running from God has this crazy conversion experience. A bush is talking to him. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Stacy. Hey, Joe. I'd like to go out and do ministry. We're like, well, you need to mature first, son. We're going to put you in some discipleship programs. We're going we're gonna to do all of this stuff first, right? See, I wonder if we would have let him, but God has this uncanny ability to, to see us from the inside out and knows the capacity for that which we can do. God knows what you can do, and he'll give you his Holy Spirit and lead you into that place. Our role is to support them as they go. Or not. Or not. That's the issue here. Moses feels highly unqualified highly inadequate to do the very thing that God is calling him to do. Um, <laughs> so, uh, true story, so do I. I have, I have no business pastoring a church, but for God. I have no business. You have no business doing the things God's calling you to, but for God. Moses understands this, and with some trepidation and maybe um, hesitancy in his voice, God, of course, picks up on this, and he says in verse 12, but I'll be with you, but I'll go with you. Now, how many here would admit that you'd probably do greater things if you knew God went with you to do them, right? I'm telling you, God is with us. In, in fact, Paul picks up on some of this language in Romans chapter 8 where he writes, if God is for us, who then can be against us? Like if, if we're doing the very thing God wants us to do, it, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to be all downhill. It doesn't mean any of that stuff. But it just means that if God is with us, then nothing will stand against us. There's no issue at all. God is calling us to something. Right? We've had these moments like Moses had, and more importantly, there will be masses of people having the moments just like that um, next year or so when the people start coming. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. So when I see the wood in the, the window, <laughs> I'm freaking losing my mind. I'm so excited. And hear my heart, it, is, it has nothing to do with all right, that's a lie. It has, it, it's, I'm, I'm excited partially because we'll get a bigger space and we'll have a, a real air condition that works and all, right? And everybody's like, amen, Jesus. He is risen, <laughs> right? The whole thing. I mean, all of that, we'll have more space. We can spread out. We can invite friends again. It's part of that. There's, there's no question I'm excited. I'm just more excited because I've seen the faithfulness of God through all of this. Through all of this. I believe, <laughs> I believe God shared with me a number of how big the church can become. I won't share it with you because you'll think it's crazy. Because I think it's crazy. I've shared it with one or two people. I'm not going to share it to you, so don't like, 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 what's the number? I'm not telling you. <laughs> You're not going to know. But when I see the board in the window, I'm reminded of God's faithfulness in the process.
I'm reminded of all of this stuff. This labor of sorts, as God has gone with us into this, is going to continue and will continue. Now, for those of you in the room who might consider or might think, man, I went to Renaissance, it's kind of cool, whatever, very handsome pastor, I see that, uh, obviously, but they seem to be all about the numbers. They seem to be all about, you don't know me very well. I'm not about the numbers. I'm, a, I'm about God's faithfulness, but may I remind you, every one of those numbers has a name, and every one of those names is a person that has a story, and they're having moments like this that Moses is having. And I'm, I freak out when I get to see it. If you've ever had the opportunity to watch someone experience God for the first time, it'll blow your mind, man. It is so great to see God just pull the fear off of them, pull the shame out of them, to lift the burden off of them and lead them into the newness that is life in Christ. It is so wonderful to watch. And if I could be honest with you, he doesn't need us to do it with him. But he's asked us to. So I want to pray for us. I want to pray for these next few months as, as um, things get real dusty and dirty, as debris starts flying around, as contractors drag dirt in places we didn't even know existed. Contractors are the dirtiest people you've ever met. Say right, Johnny? Yes, amen, amen. Thank you for that. <laughs> They're wonderful people. We love them, but they, it's going to be a mess. I'm just telling you. It's going to be real challenging the next few months. But if you'll think with me of God's faithfulness and, and if you think with me that soon we'll have a space where more people can come to hear the truth and love of Jesus, we'll just labor through it all, yes? So let's, let's pray and ask God to help us. God, I thank you for the call to share the gospel or the good news of Jesus. God, we know we're not alone in this, that there are in fact churches all throughout our city, all throughout our nation, and even around the globe who, who work with you to teach people about Jesus. And that call comes from you, God, and, and you are going with all of us as we do this work. God, I pray specifically for us here at Renaissance that you would not allow us to grow weary, that we would not grow faint in the process, but we would continue to pray and to labor in belief that many will come to faith in Jesus. That many people like Moses will be called to God. God, I thank you thank you for the invitation to follow. I thank you for the invitation to come close and to feel your righteousness, your holiness, your presence. I thank you for that. God, I, I pray the Holy Spirit would come alongside of us even tonight and encourage us that we'd feel his very real presence, that he would in a sense place his loving arm around us to encourage us to move forward. God, I pray for individuals in the church even now who are going through very challenging times, what with relationship situations or medical issues. I just tell you, God has not forgotten you. God has not left you aside. Um, these things that are happening in your life are not because of some hidden sin that you've unconfessed. God has forgiven you of all of your sins in Christ. 
these things in your life aren't happening as punishment. God is, is working through those situations with you. And may that be an encouragement to all of us that God has not abandoned us in our difficulties. Kind of thank you for our time together. May we be reminded of our own burning bush moment where you saved us, where you spoke to us, and may we, we be prepared for the burning bush moments of the masses that will come to the church. God, our hearts are filled with gratitude and thankfulness. What you have started, God, you're going to finish. And God, by everything that's inside of me, I want to do it with you. I've never, ever experienced you more than I have these past eight years as I've labored into a church plant. I've labored into pastoring church. I've never felt your presence more than I, these last eight years. And, and that is available to all of us as we work together. God, thank you for everything you do. Would you come and just minister to your people? We love you, God. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Together we can reach the heart of Decatur. And if you'd like to be a part of that, go to rendicatororg backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them.